Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Movement Podcast with Divyansh Kunjan on air. And again, we today have Rudra Sekri on the episode. Now, in this episode, we have talked about aliens, nuclear winters, and a whole lot more goofy stuff. And this one has been really, really unconventional. And I bet that you're going to love it. Stay tuned. One, two, three, one, two, three. Uh, speak something. Um, Testing one, two, three. Yeah, cool, cool. Okay, we'll be starting off with the questions. Right, cool. We'll, we'll be starting off with the questions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the episode. Okay. Tell me what you think about aliens, like if you have a definition or so. Uh, so the main definition that I have for aliens is that Aliens are any any being or any um, any form of life that's that does not arise from this planet, right? So if we were to find, for example, microbes on Mars, that is considered like those those um, men walking around on, say, a planet orbiting Proxima Centauri, right? Those would be considered aliens. Anything mm-hmm. from the uh, from the microscopic to you know the macroscopic mm-hmm. um, are considered aliens, um, as long as they are not of human, like uh, not of Earth's, uh, not of origin from this planet. Uh, so uh, I I learned this fact uh, a few days ago. So humans have found about one point eight million species of organisms, or so. Okay, and. Mm. For scientists have found out that there's a there's about a trillion of them, okay. So, mm-hmm. so if we find if we, if you keep on finding over and over, and then then can't we call these organisms alien to us? You know, because some of them we don't even know, and they look really weird, and we have seen it, seen them for the first time or whatever, just because they are found on found on Earth. Like you know, people have made hypotheses like the aliens have already visited mm-hmm. us, visited us and all that stuff. So this might be. So here's a yeah 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 I I like here's the thing. Um, the problem is is that the idea of like you know, um, the fact that aliens, uh, aliens came to Earth and then they mutated some of these species and they created new species and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Or aliens brought their own species and they put them here on Earth and stuff like that. Um, relevant like okay, they are hypotheses, but the problem is is that. How are you going to substantiate any of that? And even if you, even if, even if you can substantiate this, uh, these claims, right, um, through maybe some form of logic or something like that, but not through, for example, scientific evidence. Scientific evidence, um, then you're still going to run into the scientific concept known as Occam's razor, right? Mm-hmm. And Occam's razor is essentially um, basically a form of uh, a way of um, picking out the best theory to explain certain phenomena. And basically the, th- uh, the, the uh, Occam's razor goes that this, the more simplistic theory um, is favored over the more com- complex one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as long as the theory is able to, as long as two theories are able to explain the same set of phenomena, mm-hmm. they're able to make their own set of predictions and those predictions eventually come out true, 
um, the sim- the more simplistic theory gets favored because mm. of the fact that it's got a much more elegant explanation. So it, so if you were to apply Occam's razor with this mm. so-called alien hypothesis, right, that mm. aliens came to Earth and they provided, you know, and they mm. um, brought with them their own species, mm. yeah, it's a rel- it, it's a decent hypothesis. Mm. But the problem is, is that Occam's razor is probably going to favor, you know, mm. the evolutionary path um, okay. rather than rather than this alien hypothesis because of the fact that there's already evidence to support evolution. Uh-huh. Um, I get that. And yeah. Mm. Um, so that's why, you know, we would consider all of these trillions of unidentified species that have not been discovered by humans still to be aliens because according to the definition, um, mm. you know, they are still from Earth and therefore they are not really considered aliens unless we find evidence to suggest that you know, these animals may have come from other places in the universe, in mm-hmm. which case we would deem them aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if if the Aachen Brazos says that things are better when simple, right? So mm. what? So a lot of times, like, what happens, like, it's easy to explain, right? Because uh, if something is simple, then it, you could make it reach out to the, to the masses. But I mm. think that's a problem... With if I get into sort of the psychological side of things, that things mm. things when becomes they become simple, they uh, and uh, and to reach out to the masses. The thing that comes out op op opposing it or basically giving a new idea or a new perspective about about it becomes ignorant. So people don't like that idea because that that's look that's complicated and i don't like it because my brain is just not able to capture it but what if it's the more true one then what would you do in that so, case so here's the thing like as i said previously if two theories are able to expl- explain the same mm-hmm. set of phenomena mm-hmm. and um they are able to and they are able to um also uh, make a set of predictions and uh, those predictions turn out true, then mm-hmm. the more simplistic theory gets favored due to Occam's razor. But if that more simplistic theory then is uh, is found out to be slightly false or is giving incorrect predictions in, in a certain area, that theory is scrapped and the much more complicated theory, despite it previously being rejected because of, or not really rejected, but disfavored because of Occam's razor, um, that will be now that will now become the standard theory, unless mm. that is also proven wrong by you know another set of observations, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, like for example, you had Newtonian gravity that lasted like you know hundreds of years. And it was a pretty simplistic explanation of gravity. You know, gravity follows this law, right? right. Newton's law of gravitation. And it was pretty simple. Um, and uh, it was actually favored of, over the uh, uh, over the previous ancient Greek models because mm-hmm. of Occam's razor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even though those previous um, models were able to explain everything pretty well, um, Newtonian gravity was just favored um, because of Occam's razor. Right. But then Einstein came along, and while they were able to make the same set of observations, right, uh, were able to explain the same set of observations, right, you know, um, Newtonian gravity was eventually dismissed, even though it was still favored by Occam's razor, because of the fact that it wasn't able to explain Mercury's orbit, right? Mm-hmm. And so then Einstein's theory of general relativity took over as the standard theory. What, 
what most scientists are agreeing nowadays is that there's probably going to be another theory beyond general relativity that's going to be slightly more complicated, but it's going to be technically much more truer mm. um, in the sense that it's going to be able to explain some sets of phenomena that general where general relativity currently breaks down. So mm. that's why you know there are there are some exceptions to Occam's razor, but generally speaking, you know Occam's razor applies whenever you've got two very similar um, theories that explain the same set of phenomena, right? You know both are technically correct. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that the more simplistic one is favored. Yeah, the more simplistic one is favored. Okay. Mm. It's not. It's. It doesn't necessarily mean that the other theory is that's not, slightly more complicated yeah, yeah. is wrong. It's mm -hmm. just that it's not favored compared to the more simplistic one. I mean, if I was a mathematician, I'd mm. prefer doing simpler calculations than you mm -hmm. know much more complicated ones. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, like, sure. why bother going through the complicated theory when there's a much more simplistic version of that? Right. Sure. Cool. Makes sense. Definitely. Okay, uh, do you believe in them, aliens? Do you believe in them? So, so I personally believe in aliens. There are obviously some people who don't believe in aliens and they have their relevant set of, they have their relevant set of logic to be able to, you know, tell mm -hmm. us why they wouldn't necessarily believe in aliens. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason why I believe in aliens is sort of similar to what Carl Sagan's been saying for the last, you know, ever since, you mm -hmm. know, uh, before he died and, mm -hmm. you know, RIP Carl Sagan. But yeah. what um, what he used to say was that, you know, think about it. The Milky Way has got like billions of planets. Like, you know, each star, roughly mm -hmm. speaking, has mm -hmm. got one planet. Each mm -hmm. star in the Milky Way has got roughly one My planet, yeah. right? So think about it. Millions, like billions of stars, billions of planets, mm -hmm. right? And from our recent analyses of Kepler data, we we are estimating that there's going to be mm. roughly 60 billion Earth-like planets mm. in habitable zones around um, around their respective stars. Mm -hmm. What a habitable zone means isn't necessarily like a guarantee that life's going to exist, but rather it's a guarantee that liquid water, water. Um, and habitable uh, conditions. Is, it, yeah, like mm. you know, liquid water. The Goldilocks is, uh, is possible on the surface yeah. right because if a, if a planet is too hot or if it's too cold mm -hmm. then water won't be able to exist in its liquid form yeah. um the reason why water is so important is because a lot of the organic chemistry that um we know happened on earth mm -hmm. um during the abiogenesis process was because of the fact that um you know was because of the fact that water was present liquid water was present mm -hmm. and those molecules actually you know they started reacting in water and they began forming much more complicated organic molecules. And we, we, we suspect that that could be like, you know, the case on other planets as well. That's why we're searching for planets with liquid water on them. Hmm. And so, you know, 60 billion potential hmm. water worlds, hmm. right? You know, pretty big number, hmm. right? So, so 40 billion if, are non-water non worlds, right? 40 uh, billion or so. Yeah, yeah. If I take roughly, the, if, yeah, I, if, exactly. I, if I, if I, yeah, if, yeah, true then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, no, and note that I said potential water worlds. We still need potential. to, you know, examine. Here's the thing, right? Even mm. if, you know, even mm. if they spoke the language that we speak, English, mm. Hindi, whatever, right? Mm. Even if they could speak one of the many languages on Earth, mm. right? 
and we could like you know understand what they're saying we won't be able to understand exactly what their mo uh, what their motives are you know yeah. why are they doing what they're doing like you know <laughs> um because considering the fact that they're way more advanced than us they've probably got different motives to what we have right mm -hmm. um so it's kind of like you know going to an amusement uh, going to like this empty piece of land and building like an amusement park or something and then realizing that there's a there's an anthill right mm. in the middle of that land and you need to and you need to tell all the ants to go right mm. to leave immediately right mm. even if you can even if you can speak to the ants right mm. and the ants can understand what you're saying they're mm. not going to be able to understand you know why we are building an amusement park or you know what our exact motives are same thing applies here when you've got advanced aliens coming to earth and those advanced aliens are uh, you know need our resources for something then we're not going to be able to understand but however if uh, if an alien civilization does come along that is similar in technological capabilities to us, they're probably probably going to have similar goals to what we have, right? You know, become an interplanetary species, colonize the solar system, you know, build a Dyson sphere, so on and so forth, you know, that type of stuff. Hmm. Um, and so because of that, if a, if a similarly technologically capable civilization does show up, you know, there's either going to be two possibilities, as I said before. There's, they're either going to compete with us, they might see us as a threat, um, or they might wish to collaborate with us because we've probably got similar morals to them. Now, according to you know, um, astronomers and their personal opinions about what might happen during an alien encounter, they would probably see us as a threat over a collaborator because of the fact that um, by human instinctual nature, you know, going back tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years, you know, we have this tendency to compete with one, one another. That's how we made technological advancements, you know, mm. all that type of stuff from our history, mm. right? You know, from our hundreds of thousands of years worth of history. Mm. So because of this competition, we've been able to advance so much. Mm. Same thing applies with aliens. If aliens see us as competitors, they will advance the technology a lot more quickly, um, but because of that, they might try to obliterate us mm -hmm. in distinguishing mm -hmm. what advanced aliens want and what similarly capable aliens want. Mm -hmm. Right. Cool. Uh, moving on. Uh, and if we have a civilization that is greater than us, so in that case, uh, and if, if we find it, uh, should we even try to contact them? So if we find aliens, here's the thing. It's probably going to cause haywire on Earth because what there's 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 like this um so I'm sure you I'm sure many of your viewers have probably heard of SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. I hope well so. they actually have a policy where if they discover aliens, they have like this strict step-by-step -step policy of what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. Um and in that step-by-step -step policy, um, they go into detail that, like, you know, they have to inform the public as quickly as possible, but then they mm -hmm. also have to, you know, assess how big the, um, you know, how big the threat is. Mm -hmm. And then sort of, like, you know, depending on that, they have to, depending on that threat level, they also have to, um, they might have to change how the media perceives, you know, um, broadcasts this stuff about aliens. If it's mm -hmm. a low threat, then it's probably just going to be, like, you know, big discovery, but no one should be, you know, panicking over this. 
Yeah. Um, whereas <clears throat> if it's like, you know, a big thing, then it's probably going to involve, you know, your, um, international governments. It's probably going to involve, you know, top level meetings and all that type of stuff. I mean, this, 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 it's just crazy how much organization they have over, you know, this fringe scenario of what happens if we meet advanced aliens. Um, no government on earth has their own strict policy. I mean, the U S had one, but they never really took it seriously. And I think they even scrapped it, um, scrapped their own plan. So in the event of an alien discovery, you're probably going to be using the SETI's, you're probably going to be using SETI's own policy, um, to, uh, in the event of an alien discovery. Right. So, um, if, if, uh, so if we try to make all of this information public, uh, they're going to be, uh, I'm guessing, what could be the outcomes uh, if we try to make the information public? Like, yeah, we are founding this information. So there's, okay, so here's the thing. If, like, let's just be completely real. There's, if, if, if the news was to go public that we finally found aliens, the majority of the people, the majority of the public will probably be like, oh, cool, we found aliens. You know, mm -hmm. moving on to, you know, more... Uh, Earth-related matters. Mm. Um, that's probably what most people are going to be like. They're going to be like, "Oh my gosh, we actually found aliens." Um, some people will be curious, like you know, will we be able to make contact yeah. with them? Will we be able to start communicating with them? Those are yeah. like the science enthusiasts. Mm. You know, some a lot of the researchers or citizen scientists are going to be like, you know, how did we actually discover this? You know, what was the process of actually making sure that this is not just some statistical error? Mm. Um, and then there's going to be like this fringe group who's going to be like. Ha, huh, we knew it all along, you know, Area 51, the U.S. government, we knew it all along. You know, that's probably going to be, uh, there's, there's probably going to be some fringe group who's mm. going to yeah. be saying that stuff. And honestly, it's probably because they want to feel special in some way. Um, but at the same time, you know, there might be some, some small group who's also panicking about the whole situation. And it's mm. important not to let the panic spread because if Could the you... panic spreads. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Me. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, could you just wait for a second? Yep. Yeah. Yep, Rudra. Uh, I'm back. How's it going? Yep, I'm fine, thank you. I mean... Did you just yeah, have to, the like... Electric, I, the electrician came uh, to the house. Oh, okay, 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 that makes sense, that makes sense. One of the switches in my room, it's, it's not working, so he just uh, tried to inspect what is the problem, and then he just went away. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. All right, so uh, continuing, where were we? Uh, I think we were on the... Yeah, so uh, as I was saying, I, I think, like, it's important, like, there's obviously going to be some small group who is going to be uh, panicking over this, and it's, it's important not to let the panic spread um, because of the fact that no one wants everyone to be in a panic for discovering aliens. Like, yes, it's both an, both an exciting and terrifying thing. Um, but at the same time, it's important to note that, like, you know, even if we establish, like, even if we detect aliens, it's not like we're already in contact with them and communicating with them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, and it's not like they've sent us any threats or anything, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there will be ways to, like, you know, so, uh, potentially you know, establish a formal contact with them and mm -hmm. uh, uh, talk things out diplomatically through 
you know, bits. Yeah. Yeah. Get that. So, uh, do you think that aliens would be somebody or some civilization that craves, you know, that has a god? Craves, uh, yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, here's the thing. It's a very difficult question to answer because of the fact that it really depends on the level of their in advancement, right? Mm -hmm. So if they are uh, not as technologically advanced as we are, mm -hmm. then of course they're probably going to believe in some god, right? Yeah. Um, or something like that because there's mm -hmm. just some technologies that are just out of their reach to even, even conceive. But then why do you say that? Why do you say that? Why do you think that detachments from God would make uh, I mean, I look I'm an agnostic atheist but still I'm conquering you on that so uh, if detachment from God is technically uh, proportional to the technological advancement of a certain civilization uh, why yeah would you, potentially like, that's one factor yeah so the reason being that when when a civilization doesn't have that much that much technologies right if they it, like you know it's it's kind of like you know, uh, it's kind of like when um, they and they come up with like you know their own um, you know their own religious sort of texts and stuff like that. And when they go into this detail of like you know, for example, God throws lightning from the skies, like you know that's from ancient mm. Greece and stuff yeah. like that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it it it's um, like you know it, it's and like you know there's even accounts like um uh, from yeah. alexander the great uh, alexander yeah. the great when he went to conquer india you know his army was eventually kicked back from some of the kingdoms and the reason was that they described it as um balls of lightning fell from the skies and they mm. had like you know access to the technologies like you know the the powers of the gods no that wasn't really the case they probably mm -hmm. just had some like you know potential advanced technologies like you know bow um uh you know bows with fire with bows with fire or like you know maybe even rudimentary catapult systems mm -hmm. right you know they probably mm -hmm. might have had something like that mm -hmm. right so when when it, this is just sort of a, this was me sort of giving an example of you know when 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 a civilization isn't as advanced mm -hmm. um they tend to associate um really advanced technology technologies with you know, powers from gods and stuff like that. But yeah. you can see as time progressed, you know, now we reach the modern day mm. and in the modern day, there are more atheists than ever before in ever history. Before. Yeah. Ever yeah. before in history. Yeah. Um, when is here, uh, right here? When is right here? Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Like, eight. I mean, look at Britain. Look at Britain. Like, yeah. ev like uh, there's a high percentage of people who are atheists in Britain. And um, in Australia and all these European countries, which uh, which have access to a lot of these, uh, to to a lot of these technologies, you know, places yeah. in Africa are still fairly religious, right? Mm -hmm. You know, India, there's high. India. Oh, not necessarily India. I mean, India. I think it in it's just been embedded into culture so well that it's like not it, it like even as India advances, like mm -hmm. religion is still a big part of India. Uh, it's just because it's embedded like into the Indian identity and the Indian culture. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just a potential factor, but it, it's not like the be all and the end all, right? There might be some super advanced civilization that still believes in some God, okay. right? It's just that maybe a small minority do, right? Um, but so the more advancement you have, the more truth you know. 
it's something yeah like yeah the more technologies you know and the less you have to um the less you have to be- like quote unquote um you know believe in some higher identity like you know yeah. higher entity right mm-hmm. um but some like you know advanced civilization st- still can believe it's it's a very hard question to answer yeah definitely uh but but if i take it this way that uh if god is considered over here like on earth if god is considered the last ray of hope in terms of any like even if we reach you know on the kardashian scale if you read something like 5 6 you know all the way around 0.73 according to michael kaplan so yeah uh, we if we reach 5 or 6 on the kardashian scale on the basic basic basis of advancement level of our civilization if we still you know because we we might need it i mean uh, because people see it that way what is the ray of hope or what is the last thing that you want to believe in when everything is haywire everything is gone and what 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 is going to be the purpose of like believing in something or trusting something so probably people take it I, that way that that's the case with god okay so that's yeah, the pro- i think yeah i think so yeah again like you know um there's a there's a it's a very difficult question to answer like you know if if uh, if an alien civilization be- does become sufficiently advanced that there's no difference between technology and god right mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. then they might consider dropping religion as a whole but mm-hmm. you know the it like but this but there are going to be certain questions that will remain unanswerable right mm-hmm. in which uh, where you can insight like you know some higher entity for mm-hmm. example you know what happened before the start of the universe no one knows the answer to that and science is not willing to answer that question because of the fact that you know to science it's mm-hmm. it's an illegitimate question and mm-hmm. fair point to them like you know time only started once the universe started right like you mm-hmm. know space time was created when the universe this was created so there right. was no time or space before the universe was created so you can't think of a time before the start of time mm-hmm. so it's a fairly like it's a legitimate point that they make but at the mm. same time like you know that's one of the places where people do still Thanks. bring up god um another yeah. place where people bring up god is yeah is in the area of abiogenesis like you know how life was actually created mm. right mm-hmm. because mm. you know to be fair to be fair while we do know a lot of potential pathways we mm. don't know the exact pathways that um uh mm. that um that earth went true to become what it is yeah, well, when it yeah. was when it was on earth no mm. one knows the exact process mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah but pe- people know but scientists do know of multiple pathways mm-hmm. some of which might have happened simultaneously but some people still like to believe in a in a in a higher entity who came to earth you know put all the organic molecules together built the first cell and stuff like that and then from mm-hmm. there you know the cell evolved uh, the cell evolved into multicellular organisms and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know that's still a potential place where god still comes into being um the new place of where religion might come into play in the future is melding is molding itself with philosophy more and more like you're seeing that right now yeah. um uh, as well like you know religion has sort of molded itself really well with philosophy because of the fact that in religion it's really about teaching morals through stories and through yeah. um 
through tales, right? Yeah. So, um, and, uh, you know, and that's, you know, that probably might be a future place for um, religion. So maybe in the future, what, you know, what we currently consider now as religion might just be philosophy to them, right? Mm -hmm. You know, existential questioning to them, yeah. right? Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's, yeah. like That's a new perspective. There's, pro there's always, yeah, there's always going to still be a place for religion. It's mm. just that the, the, the place where religion can come into picture will just sort of get more and more um, restricted into just philosophy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, do you think that diversity would be something common in the universe? I'm not sure what you mean by diversity. Uh, do you mean cultural diversity? Do you cultural, mean... not... I mean, you know that technological diversity is something pretty obvious. It, ca it has the highest probability of all. But yeah. definitely, I would, I would, I'm, I'm talking about something that is not obvious. Probably culture, law, you know. So... Yeah, obvious, obviously, uh, like different alien civilizations would go down their own different pathways. That's for sure. That's a hundred percent. So because of that, you know, naturally there is going to be some cultural and um, moral diversity amongst aliens. Something that might be considered totally moral, moral, um, morally acceptable for us might be totally immoral for some other alien civilization, right? Um, and it's, and that's the thing that if we are able to get in contact with aliens and we want to collaborate with them, it's really just about asking what are certain things that are beyond it, like, you know, moral and immoral, um, uh, morals and Im, uh, like immoral stuff, right? What is what we call mm -hmm. amoral beyond mm -hmm. mor um, moral, uh, morals and immoral stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there is going to be diversity. But it's important that there is something in common between um, all these different diverse backgrounds between these alien potential alien civilizations, right? Think about Earth, for example. Without, for example, a single common language, which in this case is English, right? Mm -hmm. You know, all of these different diverse backgrounds would have remained diverse, and no one would have been able to communicate with each other. So it's kind of a miracle that here on Earth we're able to connect, you know more than like you know more than 190 cultures together through one language right think right. about that yeah so we need to provide if we are going to collaborate with alien civilizations you know um around uh, around their interstellar neighborhood or even you know through other parts of the galaxy we need to have some form of one we need to have some form of common communication with them and two we need to set like a, a set of uh common um, rules and regulations type of thing. We need to set like a common, um, we need to set common law, which all, which, are, which is considered moral by mm -hmm. everyone, right? right? Something that's beyond morality. Right. Get that. Okay. Um, so are you familiar with the Kardashian scale? Yeah, uh, yeah. In fact, I can actually give a brief rundown for those who don't. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So the Kardashev scale was created by a person named Kardashev, right? You know, who go figure. <laughs> I don't remember his first name. Give me a break. Yeah, um, but um, Russians. Yeah, uh, the Soviets. Yeah, yeah, back then it was the Soviets. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the Kardashev scale was a way of categorizing uh, potential alien civilizations and us. 
based on how much energy we can produce, right? Or other alien civilizations can produce. Um, and it had a pretty rigid definition at the start, like, you know, type one means this, type two means this, and type, I'll get into each of the individual definitions um, in a bit, but it was eventually generalized by Carl Sagan into the Kardashev scale, like equation, like you can actually find an equation um, mm. for the Kardashev scale. Um, but before the equation was um, developed by uh, Carl Sagan, um, mm. the rigid definition was that, you know, type one civilizations can um, uh, uh, control all the resources and energy output um, of the entire, of an entire planet. Mm -hmm. Uh Type two civilizations can control all the energy output and resources of their uh, respective solar system. Mm -hmm. And a type three civilization can control all the resources and the energy output of all the stars in the, in the galaxy, in their mm -hmm. respective galaxy. Right. So obviously we're neither type, uh, neither type two or type three, but, funnel, but funnily enough, if we apply the general, the general equation, the Kardashev scale equation mm -hmm. um, on humans, on the current, on current humans, mm -hmm. um, we don't even fall under type one civilization based yeah. on our energy output. We don't even fall under type yeah, one. Yeah, it is. It is uh, uh, but like Michio Kaku, uh, uh, in one of his books, he said that we are on 0.73, in fact. Yes. So yes, so we don't even fall on type yeah, one, which yeah. which like you know which just goes to show how pathetic we are on the <laughs> on the uh, galactic stage. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it all, it also like, you know, hmm. sort of highlights that, you know, how far we've come, like yeah, 0. 0.73. It's, a, it's a decent, I'd say it's decent. It's decent. Yeah, 0. Yeah. 0.73 on the Kardashev scale in 200,000 years. Like you've got to be kidding me, right? Mm. You know, that's yeah. crazy fast. Yeah. Right. Um, and we've even sent stuff outside our solar system now, you know, mm. the Voyager mm. spacecraft and stuff mm. like that. Mm. Um, and so going on to the next point, mm. which, uh, which has sort of been written down in our little schedule, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when will we touch type one? When will, one we be, yeah. when will we finally be categorized as type one? Um, according to Michio Kaku, the same, you know, astrophysicist slash futurist slash science communicator, mm -hmm. um, he said that we would probably reach type one within 200 years. And okay. that's pretty crazy yeah. considering yeah. the fact that we're not even type one yet mm. and yet we're thinking about going into planetary which is mm. pretty crazy right so we can start doing things to become a type 2 civilization before we've even reached type 1 mm. um which is pretty funny so basically uh, he, basically in 200 years humans are not going to re reliable i mean or not relied to planet earth is yeah, that so, is, but, so I don't yeah know. so in 200 in 200 years we yeah. will be producing the necessary energy output mm. to be classified as a type 1 civilization in, in roughly 200 years right mm. type 2 is going to be a little further away it's i think he said 10,000 years um, but don't quote me on that number mm. and then he said um uh we will reach type 3 uh, a type 3 civilization in 1 to 2 million years which is pretty crazy Mm. Considering the fact that how how, how know, fast we'll reach one, yeah. no, not even that, but like consider on the cosmic time scale. Yeah, that is one really years, really quick. One million years compared like to seconds. ten billion years mm. of Milky Way history. Like you know, the Milky yeah. Way was first coalesced from dust roughly ten billion years ago, right? Yeah. So 
you know, it was first created 10 billion years ago. And, you know, 10 billion years of Milky Way history, and in one, one to two million years, we would have colonized the entire galaxy. Like, if we were to use our own technology right now, like mm-hmm. the technology we have right now, mm-hmm. we can send probes across the entire galaxy within a million years. Mm. Definitely. Boom. Probes yeah. across the entire galaxy within a million years. Done. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we would have... that's pretty we possible. Take, yeah. Know, and consider yeah. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And consider this. We can even send like, you know, if we were to spend like maybe 100, 200 years developing, you know, AI technology, self-replicating robots or what we yeah. call von Neumann machines. Mm-hmm. If we were to spend, you know, 100, 200 years doing that, boom, mm-hmm. robots mm-hmm. all over the galaxy. Yeah. One to two million years. Just wait one to two million years. Robots across the entire galaxy. Done. Mm-hmm. Easy. Mm-hmm. Easy. Yeah. Uh, I really right? could, yeah. So, um, uh, at the, in the end, I mean, we are almost at the end. So, is Earth safe according to you? Oh, I mean, here's the thing. Let's just be completely real. Mm-hmm. Um, sticking on one planet is not a great idea. Especially when you are affecting the planet in various different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you're a if you're a like gl- a hu- anthropogenic global warming denier out there, mm-hmm. like <clears throat> I'm going to be having a serious word with you. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, but like, let's just be completely real. There's evidence mm-hmm. to suggest that um, not really to even suggest, but to mm-hmm. show that humans are affecting the environment um, mm-hmm. and the planet as a whole. Um, mm. in very drastic ways, faster mm. than ever before in history, right? Mm. By any natural process ever in history, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, this rate of change mm. is mm. not acceptable to the earth. Like the earth can't change this quickly, right? Yeah. It was never mm. de- designed to change this quickly. Mm. And because of that, we're kind of ruining the planet for future generations, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what happens if an asteroid comes by Earth and, you know, decides, all right, I'm going to smack into Earth today? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> what mm-hmm. happens to all the millions or even billions of people who are yeah. affected by that asteroid impact? Yeah. It, it, according to Stephen Hawking himself, mm. you know, it's not safe to live on this planet when, you know, uh, you know when, so much is, when so much could happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, consider this, you know, Solar storms, or sorry, um, cause, uh, um, CMAs, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Coronal mass ejections, right? If if one was to hit Earth, right? Boom! All technologies gone. You can't use anything. The electricity mm. grid gone. Mm. If we're mm. not prepared, mm. right? Yeah. So we need to be prepared. If in fact, in to... fact, in fact, one entity in the, in the in the entire world controls if the internet goes to every country or not. There's one yeah. entity, literally, and that's situated in the United States. Yeah, if 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 mm. a CMA was to hit Earth mm. and no one was prepared, mm. right? No one knew eight minutes in advance, like mm. you know, oh, there's mm. a CMA coming. You better, you know, you better prepare yourselves, mm. right? Everything is gone. We mm. are literally, we would literally back have no to electricity. back to Stone Age. Not necessarily to the Not Stone Age, was, yeah, but a bit. Yeah, a bit, we would still have back, some technologies, yeah. but it would take months, years to yeah. even get that, back. even to get electricity back. back on the like back on the grid, right? Yeah. It's basically an apocalypse level event. Like a book that I would recommend, um, mm-hmm. which which I'm reading right now, actually for Year Twelve studies, mm-hmm. 
for high school studies yeah. is uh, is a book called Station Eleven, right? Mm. And while the you know ap- apocalyptic event isn't necessarily a CME, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's more it's actually a very deadly virus that mm-hmm. kills ninety nine percent of people on the planet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Um, if you were to replace that with the CME, you know, same thing applies, except you've got seven billion people, except uh, instead of you know a couple thousand or a couple hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. right on the entire planet mm-hmm. think of it that way mm-hmm. right read the book and you will see like you know how like what the author's vision is of what the future would be like without all these technologies okay right so could you repeat the so it's again? pretty crazy for, for the audience. so the book is called station 11 station 11 okay it's 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 is it yeah. like is it like book by a particular author is or is it like a publication? Uh, so it's, it's it's a book by Emily Saint John Mandel, I believe uh-huh. it is. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a really 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 good book, um, uh-huh. and it just sort of highlights you know how much we should be grateful for all the technologies that we do have, mm-hmm. and you know what life could be like without those technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, if, is Earth safe according to me? I mean, if if you're talking about the next two years, five years, ten years, twenty years, fine. It's pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, eventually we need to get to some other planet, and mm-hmm. um, you yeah. know, um, enable that sort of redundancy. So if something mm-hmm. was to happen to one of the planets, the other planet would still be fine, mm-hmm. right? It reduces mm-hmm. the chance of human extinction. If you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I thought of this idea. The you know uh, idea uh, where uh, idea for space squad okay so it's pretty absurd but I thought maybe uh, a space squad that might help in reducing the problems here on Earth not technically the uh, uh, you know outsiders problems whatever comes at us. Or something like, for example, a small asteroid that can, that might be harmful, maybe some, maybe destroy it or whatever it can do, and uh, probably the plop, and most probably yeah. solving the problems that are here on Earth. For example, if uh, there's a, you know, if if Japan if Japan is hit by a tsunami or something, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, Re- yeah, rescue rescue them. You know, yeah, exactly. Like so yeah. I think yeah, we should, you know. We should totally try and, you know, get control of what we're doing to the planet right now, mm-hmm. for sure. Like, you know, forget about all the, you know, threats from space. Like, mm-hmm. if we're not able to even so solve the problems that we are creating ourselves, mm-hmm. like, you know, how are we actually ever going to prepare ourselves from, from a threat outside of Earth, mm-hmm. right? Um, but if we were to... Like, I, I don't want to make this all gloomy and everything, but mm. I'll give you this, right? There mm-hmm. is some hope, right, mm. from, like, from protecting ourselves from threats outside of uh, Earth. Mm-hmm. So, this, so this mission, right, was done by NASA, mm-hmm. right? And funnily enough, I actually saw a tweet of it online mm-hmm. by some random, you know, science denier. Mm-hmm. And he basically went, uh, went and said, you know, NASA's DART mission, you know, del- NASA's DART mission failed and it smashed into an asteroid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that was, you know, that, that's NASA's DART mission. But funnily enough, that was exactly their intentions. Like their intentions were to smack an asteroid yeah. and to see, you know, how much they could deflect the asteroid and test mm-hmm. um, uh, defense capabilities from 
space threats, mm-hmm. for example, asteroids. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then they deemed the, the mission successful because they were able to, you know, nudge the asteroid by the specified mm-hmm. amount that they needed mm-hmm. to nudge it by. And that, and you know, it, it it probably will be the case in the future where we might we might be able to defend ourselves from you know from asteroids in space, mm. which are in space. Mm. Probably not the big ones that are a kilometer or two kilometers wide, but surely a hundred percent like the smaller ones, like three hundred thirty meter, five hundred meter asteroids, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. easily, easily, yeah. Mm. Okay, uh, last question probably for the day. Uh, did you throw some absurdity on the fact that we haven't found nothing yet? Okay, so yeah, uh, so this whole problem of us not finding every anything is called mm. the Fermi paradox, mm. and there's actually a couple of really good resources online um, for why the per- Fermi paradox is the way it is and potential solutions. Now, there are obviously some pretty dumb solutions to the Fermi <laughs> paradox. Like, you might just say, like, you know, oh, aliens exist, but, you know, none of them want to explore space. Yeah, really? Like, are you <laughs> sure none of them want to explore space whatsoever and leave nothing behind? Yeah. Like, like we, we're not far ourselves from, you know, yeah. going into planetary and going into stellar eventually. So yeah. we're not that far away. So, like, you know, yeah. if, you know, it really just takes one alien species yeah. like yeah. us to go mm. around, you know, colonizing the galaxy and creating our own galactic empire. So mm. why is no other alien civilization doing it? Mm-hmm. You know. So so, so if pre- going out to other planet, uh, you can because you can take two perspectives for going out to other planets and exploring them, right? One could be survival, which is the utmost necessary, or the other thing that humans are inertly cultura- culturalized, or they have this inert inert instinct within them is. Or has, or and it has been that way since the beginning of all of humanity. That we are potentially explorers. We love to see things, or look at things, or try to find things that we haven't found yet. You know, uh, and mm. what could be out there? Like that's inert within us. Although the other part where the survival of the whole civilization is uh, the more important one. Um, I think probably uh, if we take it that way, that. Survival is important, then why would not other civilizations do it? Yeah, makes sense. But if they are curious like us, uh, I mean, I don't think I'm kind of skeptical about that. You know, we can't say you you are not sure. I can't be sure. But yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, going on the point of like understanding alien psychology, like you can gauge a pretty Mm -hmm. like decent understanding of what other aliens might think like based on how we think like, right? So (laughs) think about it, right? And for an alien species to at least have, you know, good control over all the resources on their on the on their planet, they probably would have need to compete with compete with other species like humans did back in the day, mm-hmm. right? And they probably would have need to, you know, compete with other species, mm-hmm. right? Um, other similar species like we had to with, say, for example, Neanderthal species and mm-hmm. you know Homo erectus and other human species, right? Mm-hmm. So same thing applies with aliens. Like if they want to colonize their own planet, like they're gonna have to compete, and that competitive nature has to be instinctual. It doesn't. Ha- it can't just be something that arises out of like you know, um, you know, just out of nowhere. It has yeah. to be something that's embedded deep into their In- psychology. Yeah. Right. So you can gauge how other aliens might think based on how we have thought and mm. other factors, you know, surrounding mm. our evolution and our mm. development as an advanced civilization. Mm. Right. So 
that's all the all, all the all all the all of it comes down to the question about diversity still i think true exactly yeah. um that's how current like scientists are thinking about what aliens might think like mm. how aliens might think like mm. um but back to the point on mm. you know uh why aliens wouldn't colonize a galaxy yeah it, it 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 kind of it kind of might have to do with curiosity like you know mm. It, here on Earth, there's a diminishing interest, um, at least from Western countries, to mm. deal with science. Like, you know, um, mm. not like here in Australia, like I'm being completely real here, but like not many people are really into science, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're into engineering, cool. They're into mm. some, are, some are into science, but not everyone. Most people are into business or, you know, um, some stuff that they've seen recently that's pretty successful. They're, everyone's in their yeah. own self-interests, yeah. right? So, yeah. um, uh, like, you know, curiosity might be a problem for other aliens, but a modern, another modern spin-off from that original theory that aliens are just not interested in going into space mm-hmm. is the fact that because of the development of advanced technologies, mm-hmm. right, for example, mm-hmm. virtual reality and augmented reality, Aliens might not see the necess- necessity to, you know, go into Stella. They might just think, oh, we'll create our own little world, simulated worlds, that will be even better than um, any external reality. And then mm-hmm. they will sort of, instead of expanding outwards, they would expand what we call inwards into virtual reality and augmented reality. Mm-hmm. And that is actually kind of what's happening on Earth. Like you've got the meta, you've got the meta company. Uh, yeah, run yeah. by Mark Zuckerberg, yeah. and they're in fully invested in the metaverse because they know if it becomes a success and people start, you know, um, go, using uh, people start living in the metaverse more than they live in external reality. That's a win for them, not just for business sake, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, yeah, we change for, cultures for, around. It's something exactly, like that for them. yeah, right. So it's already happening on Earth, right now. We're lucky because we've got certain visionaries. Um, who are keen on getting people out, uh, people off this planet? For example, Elon Musk. Although mm-hmm. you know, I'm not like I'm not a big completely. Yeah, uh, well, I'm not I'm not a big fan of him ever since. You know, same here, same here, same here. Not not ever since he took Twitter, but like you know, just in before general, before like, it he's, too. Yeah, in he general. he has a he has a track record of um, making small white lies that were pretty unnecessary um, <laughs> to make his to make his story seem more remarkable and more like a miracle and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but like, other than that, he's a pretty good visionary and, um, and what we'd like to call, and his ideology, his main, the main thing he believes in is something called long-termism, which basically yeah. means that you focus more on the long term, right? Yeah. Um, long-term benefits rather than short-term, short-term benefits. Books, yeah. That's why he bought Twitter because he knew that like, you know, the that's the only thing that I think rough. I've learned from him. He knows, he yeah. knew from the start, like, it's going to be pretty rough. Like, he, he even tweeted that it's going to be pretty rough. And it aligns pretty well with his ideology of long-termism. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why mm-hmm. he's sending people, like, he wants to send people to Mars by 2050. It's not about what happens in the next few years. It's what's happening in the next few decades for him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's why we've got visionaries like Although I don't, Musk. I don't know how much, he, how much of that, what he says, is because I read his biography okay and over there in fact uh, in fact he puts one of his ideologies that i that that he says something like um 
I do like to like remark my facts and whatever my predictions are in the terms of decades and in long term. But I specifically love to use things that uh, can take only a year if they are going to take five years for others, five or ten yeah, years. Yeah, so others, he's yeah. he's 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 what yeah. we call like you know mm. he's he's a he's a master at being a CEO, yeah. right? Mm. Um, because of the fact that like you know he knows what needs to be done, like he knows what needs to be done mm. in order to ensure that his long term goals are on. Are on schedule so that's <laughs> why he focuses on short-term things and getting them done and out of the way right yeah you know that's for example that's for example why um he switched from uh a carbon fiber design for spacex mm-hmm. for space for spacex's starship Falcons. to a stainless steel one oh, because of the fact yeah. that long term even though uh it's going to be cheaper it's going to be cheaper to manufacture it's mm. going to be it's going to provide a uh, cheaper you know, costs for people who want to travel to Mars. It's mm-hmm. going to be cheaper to produce. It's going to be much more quicker. It's going to allow him to reach his reach his goals in a much timely manner, mm-hmm. right? So he knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. and uh, I th- I mean, it's because of visionaries like Elon Musk that we are able to still somewhat keep our attention to expanding outwards, mm-hmm. um, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so that's a potential possibility of, you know, why aliens might not have colonized the galaxy. But mm-hmm. you would sort of think, well, surely they might have sent something before they, you know, started expanding inwards into, you know, virtual reality and augmented reality and VR and AI and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you would you would sort of think that surely they must have sent out something, right? Um, and, you know, maybe they did. It's just that they might it might not have gone in our direction. Now, uh, there's a bunch of other really cool hypotheses for why we don't see aliens. And the most popular one, which I'm sure you've heard of, is something called the Great Filter. For yeah, those who don't yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. For those who don't know what the Great Filter is, yeah. um, firstly, hi, welcome to this podcast. Make sure <laughs> to follow Divyanch, like, now. Um, like, you know, the, the, thing, the thing with the Great Filter is that Basically, there might be some thing, right? Mm. Some process or something that happens that wipes out all, like that wipes out all advanced aliens. Or there might be some step in the abiogenesis process that you know that is so, like you know, that's so unlikely to happen that, mm. like you know, no, there, that there's only one such advanced species, and that's us. Now, mm-hmm. personally, not many scientists favor the idea that you know the Great Filter is behind us. Because another principle that astronomers, uh, astronomers and other scientists use is called the Copernican principle, which mm-hmm. basically means that nothing, and I mean nothing, no, vo- no speed, no direction, no position in space, nothing is special, including the fact that humans are the only species that we see in the universe. We don't mm-hmm. expect that to be special. Yeah. Right? It's, it's kind of like it, it's, it's generally disfavored when mm-hmm. a particular theory says something is special, um, right? I think I think the reason for that could be when if you if you've heard of this hypothesis that maybe we are the we are sort of late in our own uh, in humanity humanity is a bit late. Like for example, if humanity has been there for let's say a hundred thousand years, I I know it's older than that, but uh, mm. if humanity has been there for about a hundred thousand years. And uh, it has advanced uh, from 
from that level uh, where we don't didn't know even what fire or or you know farming was to here we are today. Uh, so mm. so if it, if this has taken a hundred thousand years and if we are only a hundred thousand years old, uh, the, uh, other civilizations might have might have come in the thirteen point eight billion year lifetime of the universe and gone. You know, it's like that for them. So they say, they say like in the first, in the first, pro- like if the universe was just five billion years old, let's say, okay, and uh, mm-hmm. probably five, six, and whatever, and a civilization uh, came into being, and uh, uh, and accordingly they even lived for billions of years, let's say uh, one or two billion years, and then they went and went extinct for whatever reasons it could be. But uh, mm. I think that's one of the hypotheses and one of the reasons why scientists think of it that way, that nothing over here, well, our civilization is not just not special in any way or something like that. But yeah, I think that's... The yeah, case. so there's, there's, a, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of different great filters, potential great filters um, that could be ahead of us, mm-hmm. um, which most scientists, you know, sort of see as potential hypotheses for, you know, why we might not see aliens. One is, you know, self-destruction, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've got, you've got atomic bombs, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, you, uh, which, which are owned by several countries. You've got the mm-hmm. US, you've mm-hmm. got, um, the, uh, uh, although, although, although I learned this fact, uh, quite a few months ago that all the atomic and nuclear bombs combined on, com- uh, on the earth combined cannot make the earth go extinct or the civilization extinct, even if we fire them all. It's like uh, I, uh, I learned this fact. So uh, then, uh, it's actually, it's actually, um, it's actually a myth. Um, yeah, uh, uh, because I, I mean, like, thought the like, see, source here's was the trustable. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing: if mm. if there was a nuclear war, mm. right, between India and Pakistan, yeah. right? Think about it. Yeah, right? India and Pakistan both hold a little over 100 nukes. Each yeah, atomic yeah. bombs, yeah. each right. Mm. If they were to deploy all of them and use them all in an all-out nuclear war, that would mm. cause a nuclear winter for oh, I'm not sure. I can't remember how long, but it would cause a nuclear winter in the northern hemisphere for a very long time. Yeah, right? definitely. Temperatures yeah. would plummet instantly. Mm-hmm. Temperatures would plummet. Right. If there was a war between um, the USA and Russia, mm-hmm. and they deployed even like a thousand of their own nukes, like a thousand from the USA. A thousand from Russia. Uh, do they, they have even a, thousand? a thousand of them? Do they have a thousand? Oh, USA's got five thousand, like oh, close okay. to six thousand. Okay. Yeah, Russia's got a little over six thousand. Yeah, hmm. right. Yeah. So hmm. the USA has been decreasing their nuclear uh, stockpile faster than Russia has, mm-hmm. um, uh, because of the strategic arms limitation treaty. Or, or I can't remember. I'm not in, not that into history. Yeah. Um, Although I do like history as a good old hobby, um, mm-hmm. but you know what happened? Like you know, um, and so even if they were to use like you know even a thousand of the nukes, what, a thousand from the USA, a thousand from Russia, yeah. you know, it would cause a nuclear winter across the entire globe. And if they yeah. used all of it, well, consider having yeah. a nuclear winter yeah. for even longer. Plummet uh, temperatures plummet. Mm-hmm. You know, forget about global warming. Temperatures plummet, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Everything's gone. Like you can't uh, live. Could you can't so live. so should that be a way to decrease planets' uh, 
temperature in, ter- in times of crisis where the global warming Start is like a nuclear at its winter. Peak? Yeah, no. probably. I don't know. Absolutely not. No way, Jose. Um, I mean, there was there was like you know some people were saying, well, well, if aerosols are ha- like the, there's this thing called aerosols, um, mm-hmm. which you know they're basically like little particles that um, sort of act as like a can act as like a cool mm-hmm. can act as a cooling effect. They can. Uh, in, uh, uh-huh. They can uh, uh, maybe they, okay maybe because the radiation is going to be the problem. Yeah. No. Yeah, radiation is probably going to be the problem. Also, just the fact that um, mm. you're killing people. Like even no, if no, you no. drop if it we in deploy, a place that no if one. If we deploy it in probably oceans, no, not. I mean, if places with you're still no killing animals, like uh-huh. you're still killing off biodiversity. Like I don't know. biodiversity. Um, it, uh, or probably blasting them off in the air. I don't know. <laughs> no, I it'll probably be all be incinerated. They'll all be dead uh-huh. by the time you know. Uh-huh, yeah. It's 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 a very hard it's a very hard thing to um you know you. conceive. Like uh, so here's a here's here's something for you. Like mm-hmm. as I've been saying, aerosols mm-hmm. have been contributing a net cooling effect mm-hmm. um on the planet. Right. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. the planet's temperature is warming, right. it's not yeah. warming as much as scientists expect. Mm. Uh, because of the fact that aerosols cool the planet as well. They have a cooling effect. And mm-hmm. so if you add up the warming effect by all the greenhouse gases, you know, carbon dioxide, methane, you know, nitrous, you know, all those, all those different greenhouse gases, yeah. right, with the um, cooling effects from all these aerosols, you actually get the warming that we're currently experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Scientists have to incorporate that into their models mm. and, um, and all that type of stuff. And mm. um, it's. I'm not saying that scientists, climate scientists, aren't making predi- like you know, are making correct predictions. Mm-hmm. They are. Like you know, their predi- their models are, um, are are pretty accurate with what's happened so far. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, several several models have made predictions um, in the future about the future. And then a couple of years later, you mm-hmm. know, they're not that far from the truth. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of the Bumble Podcast. And this one, again, was with Rudra Sekri, the alien mania. And uh, once again, a very happy new year to you all in advance.